0: Hey, what's up, Lit Fam Squad? Welcome to the College of Bogeek podcast. What? We're here. <laughs> the hip. internet's best resource what up, for getting ahead as a student, but uh, a terrible resource for the correct strategy to win every sock and bopper match that you get into. That's what they're doing these days, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what the kids are doing. I'm not out of touch. You're out of touch. Yeah. Sock and <laughs> <poppers>. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever have a pair of sock and boppers my cousin did <laughs> okay i never had a pair either they were pretty cool my dad was like why would i buy you sock and boppers when we have actual boxing gloves and by the way you have to box your brother now because one of them is
1: less painful and more like a cartoon show this is true that's like the there's an answer
0: to that question there know? is an answer but my dad never considered that answer look i punch its head right off no challenge <laughs> it's just... yeah that's true wait sock boppers weren't, weren't the little robots. sock boppers were the little inflatable Oh, wait, yeah. Boxes, no, okay, no, I had, I had, actually had the hit your friends rock with them. sock robots is yeah, what I'm thinking of. That's Lots, a different of, thing. lots of sock
1: these products, sock I guess. I guess.
0: <laughs> anyway. All right. My name's Thomas Frank. Welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. I'm here, as always, with my friend Martin. And, uh, you know, we got a train wreck on our hands already. Yeah. But that's what we always strive for.
1: That is what we strive You start for. as
0: a train wreck and then you piece it back together and you get it back on the rails. Then you're impressed with how good of a job we did fixing it. Exactly. Like, how is that thing actually making it down the rails? I don't know. Yeah. These people don't actually know how to reassemble if a locomotive. you start
1: with low expectations, you can easily That's true. exceed them. See, yeah. the fact that it took me so long to say that word doesn't matter because we
0: started out with low expectations. That is true. Yeah. If you knock it out of the park right up front, you always have to knock it out of the park forever after that. Pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Anyway. Yeah. Today, we got five questions on the show. You guys know the drill, unless you're new listeners, in which case you probably don't know the drill, Uh, which is that on five questions episodes, we take five questions from Twitter, email any kind of source where we actually pay attention and answer them in kind of like a lightning round style. So if you want to have your questions answered on a five questions episode or possibly turned into a full episode, because sometimes that happens as well, uh, you can always tweet us. I'm Tom Frankly on Twitter. You are what? Yo, Martholomew? Yo, Martholomew. Pretty good Twitter handle or uh, email thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. We save questions and uh, usually cover them on Five Questions episodes if they're good questions and if we haven't already covered them on previous episodes. We've got quite a few Five Questions episodes at this point. This is the thirty-second. That's what happens when you're on episode two hundred and seventy of a podcast.
1: Yeah, and and for most of that time it was weekly, so you can roughly estimate that this has been going on for quite a few years. Six years. Yeah, just just a lot of them. Six and a half. A whole lot.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot of my life.
1: Yep. That's. I was a whippersnapper back then. I was whipping, I was snapping.
0: Whipping and snapping, you know? Anyway, let's get into the first question here. Uh, I'm heading off to college next fall. Is it too early to start a personal website for myself? Speaking of whippersnappers, I That's remember true. the days. I remember the days when I was heading off to college next fall. Yeah. I'm imagining that this person is heading off to college very soon then, because we just got this question in the summer. So I'm assuming next fall is like coming yeah, up. yeah. In any case... Um, the answer is no, it's, it's never too early, but when, at what point is it going to offer you the most value? That's the question.
1: Yeah. If you've got something good to put on it, if you've got ideas or even just putting it up there will help you think of ideas in the background mm-hmm. too early to one person means earlier than everybody else who thought too
0: early and yeah. earlier than everybody else is a great place to be. Yeah. My friend Alex started his own blog when he was 14 years old and kind of, I don't know if he had anything before that because his blog was about how to blog. It's just the kind of thing a 14-year-old would do. (laughs) Never blog before, you know what I'm doing? I'm just going to start a blog blogging. But I think he did it before it was a cliche, so I'm going to give him a pass. That's fair. And also, I learned a lot of my blogging techniques and skills from reading his blog. And when I found out that he was, I think, 15 around when I discovered his blog I was like wait what this kid is 15 and I'm learning about email marketing and CSS tricks and all kinds of cool content things from him dang uh so yeah he started this blog it was called blog ushen at 14 years old and when he was 18 he sold that for $20,000 pretty good deal pretty darn but good deal was it too
1: early for him to make $20,000
0: it might have been, actually. Oh, no. He has, well, that's a bad 20,000. He has 20, told 000. me that he kind of blew the $20,000 and that's wasn't very really responsible that's with true. it. That's true. But that's but, like, that happens. You know, you could not make $20,000 and then you never had the chance to blow it. Yeah. And it's not like he was utterly stupid with it. He just, he has told me, you know, I could have invested it instead of buying a truck or something. Yeah. But he built a ton of relationships online. He built a ton of skills web development, CSS, UX, UI, content development, all kinds of stuff. And now, I mean, ever since then, he's been running a successful WordPress theme design business. Yeah. So that was like the foundation of his career. Um, and that's obviously a pretty out there example because most people looking to build a personal website are not looking to build a business out of it. They're looking to build a portfolio and a place to make connections, hopefully get hired, hopefully have you know somebody at a company see their work and to have it bolster their application. Uh, if you only wanna do that, then obviously you could make a website later on in college or whenever you're starting to look for full-time jobs if you just want it to be portfolio. But I think people in whatever you know, industry they're in can look a little bit more broadly and be a little bit more imaginative uh, with what they could do. I think having your own online presence is basically just a way to utilize the power of the internet to help you make connections and make impressions whether it's an audience, whether it is a potential colleague for a startup that you want to form, uh, whether it's a job prospect, all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah. And uh, for me, there were, community there were committee. personal benefits to having a personal website mm-hmm. and like even just a Twitter, because at some point I started taking myself seriously online rather than just, you know, c- covering my face at all times in sarcastic jokes Mm, at some point with a personal website. And when I started the blog and when I started a Twitter, I was like, I'm going to talk about stuff I care about. And even if nobody had ever looked at any of those things, to me, it made me start considering, wait, who am I and what do I care about? How Mm. can I take myself seriously? And I don't know that there was too early a time for
0: me to start thinking about what I care about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, there's some in between ground here. So you could pay for hosting. You could pay for, you know, a domain, all that kinds of stuff, you could totally customize your website, make it exactly what you want. That's what I like to do. But you could also have a really basic thing. And then you could move from the basic thing to a more customized thing over time. So the thing that I think that everyone should do the moment they think of it is to get a domain name. Yeah, it's like 10 bucks a year. And once you want it, you have it, no one else can take it. I have quite a few that I haven't even gotten to the projects for, but that's true, but they're my domain names now. Yep. And I definitely have some domain names and that are, have just been sitting waiting in the wings for a while. Yeah. But at the very least I would get the one for your name or something close to your name. Thomasjfrank.com is mine. Martinbay.me is yours. Um, I think I also have tomfrankly.com. I just, or maybe it's not me. I don't remember which one that one is, but I wanted to make sure that no one could take that someone did take thomasfrank.com when i was a wee lad yep so get that uh you can always point it towards like wordpress.com free website or something for the time being and then once you get to the point where you don't want ads on your website or you want to be able to do more with it then you could get more into it and we have a tutorial on our website for that it'll be in the show notes uh question two then how can i develop mental toughness mental push-ups Like psychic push ups? Yeah. (laughs) And like bend spoons with your mind? I feel like that's actually a thing in Psychonauts. Probably. But not incorrect. And in
1: Pokemon, the psychics always bend spoons. So I think that that is probably one of the best exercises because all of them do it.
0: Yeah. That probably is the Alakazam has spoons. They must mean something. That's true. And also in The Matrix. That makes sense. There's spoon bending. So basically,
1: be a. Never mind. This, okay, before I forget about real things, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I'm about to move
0: on. Spoon bending is the answer. <laughs> it's, it's been spoons. <laughs> no, the way you develop mental toughness is by uh, exposing yourself to uncomfortable situations. The mind is like a muscle. And the more you expose it to things where you have to deliberately accept a lack of comfort, the more readily able you are to accept it in the next time. Yeah, discipline yourself
1: and choose to do something that you know will pay off. Mm-hmm. But it, like maybe take cold showers, get the incredibly early military exercise class like you did.
0: Ooh, that was a good one. Like every yeah.
1: morning you got to wake up and be like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And if you are developing mental toughness, the answer is because I'm going to and I said I was going to and yeah. that's what I'm going to do even if I hate
0: it. So the way that I like to do this is to basically create um, a situation where I'm forced to do the thing. Because everyone can say, take cold showers, wake up early, go to the gym every day, you'll be mentally tough. But tomorrow you're going to get that 6 a.m. alarm and you're going to be like, ah, uh, no. Yeah, you got to gotta get through the first like few steps back to bed, first to get you. you not taking this cold shower. Ugh. So I think of this concept as like training wheels for your brain because your brain can't ride the bike on its own yet. So things like signing up for the ROTC fitness class or... Um, going to Farrell's Extreme Body Shaping, where I believe they make you do like a $300 deposit. And if you don't show up so many times, they keep it forever. Yeah. Like things where there are external expectations, you know, ideally where there's another person who's going to hold your feet to the fire, like a coach or something like that. Um, but, you know, without that being an option, at least using something like a B-Minder or a habit tracker or... I don't know, like an online accountability partner, something like that. Have somebody turn off your hot water before you take a shower. There you go. Yeah, something like that. You know, just find a way to set up systems that force you to do something that you know long-term you want to do because it's healthy, but short-term you don't want to do because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more able you become to do it without the need for help, essentially. So what are some more things you could do? When well, we talked about cold showers. One of, one
1: of the biggest things that I did was uh control of my food because mm. back when um you and our friend Clyde watched uh Fat Sick and Nearly Dead and you guys were all like I'm going to juice and I'm going to get all these nutrients. My only take juice, from that bro. was I've never really eaten vegetables in my life. That's probably not good. Let's get into vegetables. I'm going to eat mm. I'm going to follow a vegan diet for this month. I'm not prepped for it at all, but I figure if the answer is starving or figuring out how to eat vegetables, I will figure it out. Yeah. So then I just made myself do that uh, through like a month challenge. But since then, and I was trying to figure out, like I had some illnesses in college and I was trying to figure out what was going on. So I've tried so many different diet things for 30 days that at any point now you could just tell me, I mean, other than water, don't say water, but you could be like, Martin, you're not allowed to eat this for 30 days. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, throw it away. I don't have any problem just giving up something now because I've done it so many times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's true. It also expanded my culinary repertoire. So it's just kind of a fun idea anyway to mix it up. It wasn't your diet basically like chicken nuggets. And well, one time I took mayonnaise. these frozen like banquet chicken nuggets. I would microwave them in a cheap tortilla and I would put like chili powder on them and mayonnaise. And that was dinner. <laughs> every night <laughs> and the problem is that i thought that was a bad idea so i was like i gotta take control of this so i'm starving if i choose to only eat this this is not allowed for a month yeah also in all fairness i picked february because not only was it so soon that i had no time to prepare but it was the shortest month so i was like this is the easiest one it's less scary mm. so if you're true. you know it's just something that makes it less scary if you have to at first even if it you, you, it's something that's too hard to do for like a full month. I can't think of something I wouldn't do for a month, but I don't know if you're going on a vacation in a couple weeks, that doesn't mean you shouldn't start now for the
0: two weeks before then yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, another thing you could do is find a way to cut off your paths of least resistance. So I'm guessing you probably got rid of your banquet chicken nuggets and mayonnaise during that month yeah um, if you, you know if you're having trouble actually reading or actually practicing an instrument because you just always reach for the video game console find a way to you know make it really inconvenient to do that like give your consoles to your mom for a month or something and be like I can't have this until next month
1: yeah take it all, put it in some closet somewhere that you got to, you got to go through a bunch of effort to get to, put mm. a big sign inside that says you're failing yourself. That way, when you open the door, <laughs> trying to steal it back out and you're like, you get a chance then. And that chance is when you determine whether you're building mental toughness. Yeah. You could choose to do whatever you want. I can't make you do it. But when you say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. That's, that's the point. Yeah. And that that's the mental it. pushup.
0: That's, yeah, that is, it's not bending a spoon. No, but it's if you can choice, get to that point though. <laughs> then you should do it. Then you should be doing it because it's amazing. That's true. And if do you do something can with that. Literally push your body up off the ground using uh telekinetic energy. Yeah, if you could figure it out, let me know. That would be pretty cool. Because then you're more mentally tough than me. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also do like I don't know I don't know if I would say do a meditation retreat. That's like a long time, but you could go oh, do like yeah. a a few hours. Actually, there's actually a place you can go here in Denver where you could do that.
1: Yeah. I actually went to the uh, Zen Buddhist place here Mm -hmm. and I did one of their Zen meditation seminars. We were there for like 40 solid minutes after the explanations of stuff. And I've only meditated that long once. But the thing is you're there with a bunch of people also. Yeah. So the social pressure helps you say, maybe 20 minutes in at home, I would have been like, and my legs are sore, I'm leaving. But I was mm. just like, I'm going to feel so stupid if I interrupt all of these people meditating, including the literal Buddhist monks right now. Yeah. So I'm going to, I guess I'll just stay here. And that's, yeah, it's that's like the training wheels. You got direct social pressure surrounding you in that yes. case. Yeah, exactly. And
0: it was really cool. Yeah. So find ways to, I guess, take away your paths of re- least resistance to have some some sort of oversight that be at a coach or a bunch of people around you who are also meditating, kind of social pressure situation uh, or systems that build that for you. Yeah. Uh, and then find a way to want it.
1: You know, Yeah, it's yeah, probably going to motivate you for something.
0: Like people casually want things for themselves, but they're so comfortable that I think like there's this little voice that says, you're probably never going to get that. And it doesn't actually matter that much. And you have to find a way to overcome that you're like sabotaging yourself on, yeah. a, on a lower level. Yeah, because there's there's always a little voice. It's like, all right, you're probably never actually going to finish the book that you're writing, but it's fine. You have a good job. You can come home every night. You have a girlfriend. It's fine. Like, it doesn't really matter. You have to find a way to defeat that voice. Yeah, it's got to matter. Something's got to matter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the answer is for you. It's something different for me. I mean, for me, it was like for my book specifically, I literally put out like, this book will be out in January. (laughs) Kind of like committed myself to it. And then I had a 500 uh, 500 word per day goal that I had to meet. And I don't think I had any big consequences writing on that per day goal. It was just in Habitica. And at the time, Habitica was very, very motivating for me. And I found that uh, recently, you know, I'll get excited to get back on Habitica, but every time like the motivation to just see those numbers go up for me personally is not that great anymore. So there clearly is something else that has to be put in yeah. place. The same techniques that worked for you a few years ago may not work now. Oh. Or the same things that work for other people may not work for you.
1: Yeah. And and when you're trying to do this, this is going to be like regular exercise in a way in that you should push yourself, but you should there's a point at which if you push yourself too far, it will like snap back and you'll relapse and you won't do anything. Like if I try to do the most, I don't know any exercise, P90X, I don't know how intense that is. If I try to do the most intense weightlifting routine and the most intense biking routine and the most intense reading routine, it may seem mentally tough. But once I snap past the point I can't do it, I'll probably do none of those for like two months while I'm relapsing to be lazy. Mm -hmm. You got to push to like just a little bit past where you're comfortable so that you keep doing it's
0: for long-term gains. I remember when I was doing the ROTC fitness class, we had a running day and we had several running days, but the first running day we had gotten our two mile times. And so we, we had to run two miles and you got your time. And I think my two mile time was 14 minutes. I don't think I could do that. What run two miles. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I couldn't run two miles. It's time to. It's time to step up then. Oh no! It's time for you to learn how to run two miles. I'm a mental weakling. You could run two miles. Yeah, I mean, but, you I, might I, just I, like. I would hate it, like it so bad trot. though. I would hate it so bad well, though. I don't like running, but I can still run two miles. I've only run one mile twice. Have you never gone out for a longer run? No. I hate running. I mean, I don't. I don't like running either. But
1: all right, I'll work on that mental toughness. Will I actually work on that? We'll find out in the next
0: episode of Dragon Ball Z. I don't know if you care enough. For me, it's like, I would much rather go biking. So my big mental toughness goals are in cycling. I would
1: rather be told to bike 10 miles than to run one. 50 miles.
0: You got to trade that for running three. (laughs)
1: There's a conversion rate somewhere in there.
0: Would I rather ride 50 miles or run three miles? I think I would rather ride 50 miles. Yeah. don't give me a t- harsh time limit though I don't think I'll make it without dying so oh no I wouldn't I, yeah I wouldn't give you a harsh time limit I would just say like do it yeah also I wouldn't actually ask you to ride 50 miles because I don't think you've ever ridden 20 so I wouldn't just be like boom 50 no no I think it would be unreasonable <laughs> you gotta you got work yourself up to it anyway so I got 14 miles or wow 14 minutes for my two mile time and based on everyone's mile times they sorted you into different running groups so there's group a, b c d and e. And they put me into group B, uh, which was composed mainly of guys that had like 13 30s, 13 minutes. So I was like, I think I was like right on the cusp of going into C or B. And they said, you're in B. And B was incredibly challenging for me. I was back of the pack, couldn't keep up with the other people, but I could just barely keep up. Meaning once we got to the end of our run, like, Maybe like two minutes before the end, I was probably fifty feet behind everyone else, but I could still see them and mm-hmm. I could still like reasonably keep up. I mean, I was feeling like I was gonna die, but I was able to keep up to the point where i I almost finished with the group. had they put me in a, they would have just blazed past me like I would have been left in the dust and eventually they would have gotten so far ahead that I would have been like, this is pointless. I'm gonna quit. Yeah. There's no motivation if you're so far from success that it's not going to happen. And had they put me in C, it would have been too easy. So i just be like, this is not really helping me grow. So by putting me in B, it was like just enough of a challenge. I was like, I was losing, but I wasn't losing by too much. And I was like, I can can keep up. I can finish this with my dignity intact. Yes, I'm back of the pack, but at least I'm still part of the pack. Yeah. I'm the straggler. I'm the Russell. Oh no. But- you know, at least I didn't die in a tar pit. (laughs) So yeah, find a way to challenge yourself to that degree where you can still see everyone else's back. They haven't like totally left you in the dust. All right, this one's for you. Martin, do you have any advice for someone trying to disconnect despite having a computer center job and hobbies that are all pretty much online? Are we condemned to this virtual playground forever?
1: No, mostly I just really liked the wording in that last question. It's very dramatic.
0: Are we condemned to this virtual Are playground? we condemned forever?
1: I love it. <laughs> uh, no, we're not. That's the answer. Um, so basically I was at this point a lot. Uh, most of my stuff is computer-centered. My job is computer-centered. Most of my hobbies are too. But that's also why it was incredibly freeing for me to pick back up piano Mm-hmm. And to get into photography, and choose not to edit my photos, which would have turned mm-hmm. photography into a computer skill again. That's so, true. so I rely entirely with... on like natural lighting, partially because that's artistically challenging for me, mm-hmm. but partially because I don't want it to be a computer skill.
0: Yeah, if you were dicking around with color grading and stuff, like you'd probably be in Photoshop more than you. That be would taking be un- it. Would be unhealthy for me. I think. I think I would get to a very unhealthy point editing
1: this. Mm-hmm. But so. I would actively look for hobbies, I would say, that do not involve it. But also, I make a point to pretty much go outside whenever I get a chance when I'm taking breaks. Even if it's just like, I've decided I'm going to drink this water from the fridge that I get this cool, sparkling water. I'm going to drink it. You know what I'm also going to do? I'm going to drink it on the balcony instead. Or I'm going to drink it while taking a walk around the neighborhood. Or I'm going to take any small excuse I have to get away from the computer and the video games and the, Mm -hmm. the electronics. Because if you have to work on them, and you know, it would be a position of privilege to just say, throw your computer out. You'll never need it. Be a guru. But if you still need it, you can spend a decent portion of your day without it. Or if you can't, even maybe on weekends or days off, you're like, I'm going to go hiking. Or I'm going to go spend a significant amount of time going on a picnic if you're less active, but you still want to go outside. You just have to find some way to do it. Mm-hmm. But especially finding other hobbies that take you away from it. That way, you're kind of accidentally away from the electronics when you're into your new hobby.
0: Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is just exploring new hobbies. Because I know you've been there. I've been there. You're really into video games, and you're like, what else would I do with my free time? Yeah. I remember, you know, being really into video games earlier in my life and thinking, like, what did people do in the olden days? They before butter. video games were invented, was everyone just bored all the time? Like, What do they do? And of course, that's a ridiculous thought to have. People had fun before the invention of mass media and TVs and radios and all that. They sat around and talked to each other. They went for hikes. They played basketball. They played sports. They, I don't know, bowling's been around since the days of the ancient Egyptians. People have found ways to entertain themselves. It's just that video games are designed to be so gripping And we did a whole episode on, you know, video game tactics that keep people motivated to play them, that you can start to think like, this is the most fun thing I can think of. What else would I do? Yeah. Yeah. Once you start checking out some new hobbies, you realize like, wow, there's actually a lot to this hobby. You know, it seemed kind of boring on the surface compared to this cool video game over here, but it's actually very involved and there's a lot to it.
1: Well, and that's really the problem. Like the video games are designed to give you that reward as soon as possible. Mm Mm-hmm but the other hobbies like photography that took a little bit before i could figure out yeah. if i was really into it
0: i think a, yeah a lot of hobbies that aren't a, video games you gotta they push through hide, the entry level like they hide their nuance under the surface i mean photography is a great one you could know? easily
1: seem like what do you just you know, everybody can point and click and buy a camera
0: and do do, do. it's not that in, not that exciting mhm then you start thinking like rule of thirds lighting you know uh, golden hour exposure triangle composition. There's so many things. Yeah. yeah. You try to, the, the first thing that got me really interested in
1: macro, where I like to take the really close up insect photos is that when I was walking around with um, Ashley's, one of her old point and shoot cameras, cause mm. I was just like, well, I'm not going to buy a camera first. I'm going to try this on this lesser capable one. Yeah. But there was this little ladybug and an aphid. And I was like, I really want to take a photo of this because the ladybug was missing a wing. Basically it looks like they just had a war and the ladybug won. But I, I can't get it to focus why can't i why can't it be in focus? Why do I have to be this so far back and then i I realized photography isn't just going out there and clicking stuff. There are very physical limits, yeah, depending on your lens, depending on what you're doing, and depending on the lighting and you've got to figure out how do I actually solve that and until you run into a photo you wanted but you failed at, it's hard to see that
0: mm-hmm. there
1: is a lot going on under there,
0: yeah. Or or for my case, um, probably my biggest hobby is guitar. I'm playing music in general. And I was just thinking today about all the combinations of sounds that I can get with the pedals I'm using. It's it's like mind boggling. There's infinite things I could learn how to do. And, you know, again, like when when you're playing a video game, I think a lot of the complexity and the interesting elements of it are just kind of like presented to you. And with physical hobbies, you have to dig a bit, but that complexity is there. Yeah, like chess doesn't that doesn't seem fun until you start getting into
1: what's behind the strategy mm-hmm. because before that point you're just like, well, okay, well I just move stuff and then
0: I lose. That's the game, right? It's not Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. Yeah. If you're playing Overwatch, everyone's like, Here's the meta, you know it's we'll just tell you. Chess, you have to go discover it. Yeah. So go discover new hobbies. And if you don't know how to Go to meetup.com and sign up for some meetups. Yeah. And if it's a little weird at first, that's no problem. I I was probably
1: too early in taking my adult classes when I went to take photography classes for the first time Mm. because everybody else in there was decades older than me. And I was like the only person who was like, I wasn't finished learning yet. I just got out of college, but I was like, I want to take this. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely age-wise isolated, but don't, don't let that discourage you. It's cool to want to learn that soon again or that soon in general, because I do not regret taking those at all. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've gotten much farther with my photography from classes that I initially felt weird and isolated in than I ever would have thought if I'd just been like, oh, this isn't the right vibe for me. I'm
0: leaving. Mm -hmm. And I think it might also be useful to define checkpoints for yourself. Because again, the great thing about connected hobbies like video games, all that kind of stuff, like it sort of hand holds you a little bit. Video games, like, hey, you beat this level, you leveled up, you got this piece of gear, great job. Yeah, the Here's small wins part of
1: the you know of the podcast episode.
0: For photography, it's like, where's the progress? Well, you got to define it for yourself. Yeah. You know, and then like I can go look at your Instagram and see definite progress, but maybe you didn't see it when you were doing it. Yeah. And I think for you, it was like 30 day challenge of getting one out every day. That was like the first thing, but.
1: Yeah, and then it turned into
0: like six months instead. Mm-hmm. And now I bet you there's probably other things that you're using as kind of markers for progress. Like I know right now you're trying to get a really cool balcony photo, yeah, which is totally different than all the macro stuff you've done before. It's very different. So that's like a totally different journey. It's like a cool expansion of your talent. Yeah, we shall see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see it. All right, question number four. How do you know when it's the right time to quit a job? This is the hardest question here. Whatever time like
1: shows your boss who's boss the best, just so you can be like, oh yeah, I quit. Like The most
0: argumentative time, that's my advice. It's right before the boss and the police come into the office to escort you off the premises and fire you right before that you got to yell i quit then you're safe you got to get the you've, last got Im- word. you've got immunity then yep i think i quit i was embezzling money but i quit
1: so yeah, but this is this is a difficult question because yeah quitting a job comes with a lot of pressures obviously finding a job is stressful mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to pivot into a different career money is obviously a huge pressure here yeah. I had to quit my job when I injured my hands and that was a terribly hard decision because I was like, but this is how I'm making money to pay for medical costs. Yeah, So, you know, I couldn't just say I quit right now.
0: There's clearly thought behind it. So there are a few factors you have to consider. Factor number one, have I stopped growing in this job? You know, am I completely stagnant? Factor number two, uh, what sort of opportunities do I have if I quit this? Like, will I be able to find something relatively quickly? Factor number three, what is the financial reality? Because if you're living paycheck to paycheck right now, you know, it's harder to justify leaving the job that is paying your expenses than if you have 50,000 in the bank, your monthly expenses are $2,000. Like you could just chill for two years if you needed to. Yeah, if That's you totally if you live in paycheck to situation. paycheck,
1: the answer to the question is when you've been given a different one.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know that could be the answer depending. And what is your ability to cut back on your life's expenses if you needed to quit for some reason? Um, the guy I know, Lewis Howes, who is very well known now, obviously has millions of dollars. Um, I remember him telling his story at a conference I was at where. I think he was like a, a semi-pro football player or something like that. I don't, I don't know if he was in the NFL, but he was a pro athlete. Got injured, and because of his injury, that ruined his pro career forever or ended it. And uh, he said like for nine months, he slept on his sister's couch because he just didn't have money. But during those nine months, he started building this business, connecting people on LinkedIn Eventually started doing networking events in cities based on LinkedIn marketing, started charging for those and then, um, kind of like built a whole business off of that. And that's how he got started. So for him, and it was kind of like forced quitting. Cause when you're a pro athlete, if you get seriously injured, you're just kind of done. You don't yeah really have the choice to say whether or not you're quitting. You're just like no longer viable. Uh, he was able to massively reduce his expenses by going and living with a sister, you know? And it's harder to say like, Oh yeah, if you just don't like your job, you should do that. And phone your brother up and be like, Hey, can I sleep on your couch? Cause I just don't like my job. You know, maybe you should try to save up a bit or maybe your brother wouldn't care. I don't know. Yeah. Depends. But I think it really comes down to those factors. Am I growing? Am I super burned out? Do I hate this? Am I, you know, not going anywhere with it? Uh, you know, who depends on me What's my financial reality right now? And, What's the likelihood that I'm going to be able to get something else going fairly soon if I quit this job?
1: Yeah, if I was going to quit even to just pivot into some other idea I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't quit until I at least had a plan for how I was going to spend the time afterward to position me to get into the new thing. Yeah. That way way you don't just like spend the first month like, "Uh, I'll get around to it next month. This month, video game month. I'm catching up on my Mario's. (laughs) This is my fun month. The next month I'll do this stuff. Like that's a, that's not a good idea. That's a bad time to quit. You weren't ready to quit yet. Get the, get the plan first so that you don't just kind of stagnate in a different way. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. If you're going to quit, you have to be like, start preparing to quit. And then, uh, depending on how you prepare to quit, you have to (sighs) Think about the very real possibility that your current job will find out you're trying to quit and fire you before you do. Ooh, that's a tough one. Don't put it on don't put it on Twitter thinking about quitting. Well, I mean, I know that there it's like some companies literally pay for software that scans the internet constantly for information about all their employees to see like, Ooh. are they on LinkedIn? Are they being active on LinkedIn? Are they put like, are they going to apply for other jobs? Wow. And I don't say this to scare. Well, maybe I do say this to scare people. Cause like the reality is some companies do that. And you know what, as much as you might say they're jerks for that, it's like, it's also understandable. It's kind of in their interest to make sure they're retaining their employees. And if they're not, they're starting to look for replacements you know, instead of getting blindsided, Yeah. but you you just got to be aware of the fact that if you're starting to actively look for jobs, actively apply, actively network on LinkedIn, like you might get found out. And I I think that a good company would recognize that like a responsible company that cares about their employees might recognize that and confront you and be like, okay, you know, is there anything we can do to make this job better for you? Or maybe they're going to say like, you're not actually that good of an employee, you know? It depends on, are you valuable to them? But if they find you valuable and they're a responsible company, ideally they would confront that, do the hard thing, but then ask like, is there something we can do to make this a better work environment for you? Like, do you need a raise? Do you need a different position? Or, you know, is it actually in your best interest to move on? And if so, maybe we can help you. But some companies aren't like that. Some companies are ruthless and they're just like, oh, you aren't aren't showing loyalty, goodbye. So,
1: well, be as, prepared. Long, as long
0: as you had your plan, that'll be okay. Sometimes maybe be sneaky about it. It's just a, it's the reality of the situation. Wear like a thing over your eyes. Yeah, you need to wear like a, if you, yeah, in your LinkedIn profile picture, be wearing a bandit mask so they don't know it's you. notice. Do. And they'll you'll never definitely know. get hired. That's true. <laughs> My Venmo picture is me wearing uh, your highwayman mask. <laughs> <laughs> good. (laughs) I just thought that would be a good profile picture for an app where people give me money. Yeah. (laughs) Very trustworthy. Anyway, hopefully that clears things up a little bit for anybody thinking about quitting a job. Uh, Oh, one more thing about that one. I forgot to mention one additional factor, which was quite important for me. Are you actually contributing to the company? Uh, And this was the reason that I quit the web development department at Iowa State, cause I just knew like everyone else there knew what they needed to know. And I was several years behind. You know, I could just tell like if, if, I, if I stay here, I'm only gonna be able to do like these tiny maintenance tasks. And unfortunately I'm just not at the level where I can realistically catch up to where all the other programmers are to be useful and to do interesting projects. So I made the call to leave both for myself, but also for them.
1: Yeah. It's weird how I did like the exact same thing, but Mm -hmm. with a different job, also web developing on campus.
0: Yeah. Sometimes they hire you, sometimes like, you know, it's not you being dishonest. It's not them being dishonest. It's just like you both legitimately think you're a good fit. And then you realize, actually, I'm not. Crap. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and at that point, both you and me were in the position to quit because we were still students. Yeah, It 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 wasn't like the hugest thing in the world. But, you know, that was the thing for me. It was a consideration. All right, last question. Uh, How does one prepare for an oral exam? I study what amounts to lit and classics in the US, but most of my exams are in oral form with broad or detailed questions depending on the professor. So the,
1: the main thing that I took from this is that obviously one of the differences is that it's not written, it's an oral exam. But the other difference here is that the questions might be more broader, detailed, and it like they're not multiple choice questions necessarily. Yeah. It sounds like maybe it's more of a "Do you fully understand this topic" rather than "Did you memorize stuff from the study guide." Mm. Um, in a situation like this, one, if you're scared of the speaking part, I mean, obviously there's a lot of uh, we've we've got some anxiety stuff. Yep. to talk. We've got videos and podcasts and articles on that. We can find some of those and link to them and get practice with that sort of a thing. But for understanding the topics better, I think it would be a good idea to obviously actually do your readings, but maybe try to do something that I've done a few times to practice language, which is just take a, take your webcam or your phone, I guess. Now now a phone would be a really easy way to do this. Just record yourself explaining the topic as if you were explaining it to a friend or explain it to a friend, Mm -hmm. but try to record it. That way you can play it back and then hear, okay, actually what I just said there was a jumbly mess. And if that's true, you may not fully understand that section if you can't express it very well. And even Mm -hmm. if you do understand it and you can't
0: express it well, you're still not going to get the points because the teacher needs you to express it well. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to think through how you're going to answer something and your first go at it is a mess. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to
1: practice like multiple choice. It's largely just what, can you memorize these facts? But for truly understanding in depth something, you're going to want to go over it several times and be able to explain it to yourself, to someone else in simple language and in the language using the correct vocabulary, Mm -hmm. depending on your audience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even for videos, I do this a lot. I'll pull my phone out and I'll just selfie record myself either going over the script or just brain dumping ideas so I can make a script later on. And obviously it's never the footage I use, but sometimes it's needed to get the actual footage on the camera.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's just
0: a preliminary lower pressure way to practice delivering that information. Cause it's, it's different when you're writing, right? When you're writing, you can sit there for as long as the timeline allows and kind of piece together what you're going to say. It's like a very, I don't know, asynchronous process. You can take an hour to write something that would take five minutes to read. And you but, don't
1: need to know it. You could be pulling it all actively from the resources mm-hmm. and then just
0: forget it the second you write it down. Or you know, even in an exam, right, you have to remember it, but it's still, again, asynchronous. But during an oral exam, it's not. Like They are listening to you in real time. So you need to know the material well enough to deliver it in real time.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think one thing, so also the way I read when reading a foreign language might be helpful here because the first time, if I read a page of Spanish, I'll read a page or two, write down the vocabulary or the stuff I'm curious about, like, wait, what happened there? What was, something happened here and I didn't understand it, but I'll read it through, get familiar with all the vocabulary I'm missing, then read it again, and the second time, it makes so much sense. I'm reading for like fluidity and fluency. Suddenly it makes sense. So if you do the same thing, say you're reading about like Roman mythology or something, then you read the first time, maybe make some notes like that might be important later. Is that guy important? Not sure. We'll find out. And then at maybe some questions like, what did they do? Why Actually, why was this brought up and how do they connect with that guy I read about earlier? They said something and it might've connected. Then read through it a second time and you can put the pieces together now mm-hmm. that you're more familiar with the topic. Because some of the higher level ideas, if you don't have a base level of, like, if you don't understand how to put the small Legos together, you know how they work, how are you going to build a giant sculpture? You need first, yeah, you're doing all this weird vocabulary and these philosophical concepts and linguistic terms, and you need to understand the actual terms, but then you need to go back through to get the big ideas that the terms
0: make, yep, yeah, good point, all right, I think that does it. Did we pass our oral exam? I think we did. Okay, cool. (laughs) That's good. And I just realized that I need to drink more water today. I have not had a whole lot of water today. Feeling a little dehydrated. Well, don't do that. Yeah, I want to get hydrated. So I'm going to wrap this podcast up and get some water. Uh, If you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can go over to com slash 270. Right? I think so. I think so. Episode 270. Yeah. It's a lot of episodes. That's, That's really high. You can also go to CIGpodcast.com. No slashes, no numbers if you want to subscribe to this podcast. So if you're just listening to it in the browser or listening to it through your neighbor's window, maybe you should not stalk your neighbor's house so closely. And also go to CIGpodcast.com where you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you want to support this show, a great way to do so if you have an Apple device or if you have iTunes on your computer is to go over to Apple Podcasts and write us a rating and give us a five-star review. We always appreciate those. They give us great feedback on what we're doing. And also it helps bump the podcast up the rankings over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, beyond that, if you wanna just share this podcast with a friend, maybe they uh, will start listening to it and become a fan as well. But as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us and we'll see you in the next episode. Stay you.